Hey folks, my name is Jason. I'm one of the pastors at Clearview Community Church. I wanna thank you for taking the time to join us today. Now, summer is fast approaching and with it comes beautiful summer evenings. Have you ever laid on the grass on a summer's night and just looked up at the stars? I have done it many times. I've sat with my children, you know, trying to locate the Big Dipper or the Little Dipper or the North Star or trying to figure out those constellations. And as you lay there, you start to ponder how vast the universe is, how beautiful the night sky is and how small sometimes it makes you feel. I'm sure you've had those moments. And if you're anything like me, your mind starts to wander a little about creation. You're wondering about all of this being created. You're contemplating the immenseness of God and, and how you would love to get a glimpse of him. In fact, Psalms 19 verse one actually says, the heavens declare the glory of God and the skies proclaim the work of his hands. So the night sky is actually screaming the glory of God. But once again, if you're like me, you kind of ask those questions sometimes, why doesn't God just kind of show himself? Well, if you have a Bible, I want you to turn to Luke chapter nine, and we're going to look at a story where Jesus reveals himself to his disciples in his glory. Now, when we speak of the glory of God, we're speaking of an attribute of God, an aspect of who he is. And to be honest with you, explaining the glory of God is difficult for us to really comprehend, to really understand. The glory of God speaks of his splendor and beauty and magnificence, his radiance, his heaviness and weightiness, his prominence and superiority and supremacy and holiness, his worthiness, his purity. See, God's glory is wrapped up in all of these descriptions and many more. It's important that we kind of understand we don't make God glorious, God is already glorious. God possesses this perfect attribute of glory and he reveals it to us in the person of Jesus. And what we're going to see, and here's what I want you to grab hold of our bottom line today, is God not only wants you to experience his glory, he wants you to reflect it to those around you. So we're gonna pick up our story in Luke chapter nine, verse eight. About eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter, John, and James with him. Now these are kind of his three senior leaders, if you will. And they went up unto a mountain to pray. Jesus would often take times away from the crowd to spend time in prayer, verse 29. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his, glow, his, his clothes became like bright, flash of lightning. I want you to think of the brightest flash of lightning you have ever seen. Jesus became that bright. Jesus says of himself in John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. And here, the light of glory of God is revealed through Jesus. Now, if we're not careful, when we think of Jesus, we tend to only think of him as a man walking this earth. Any respectable historian would say that Jesus Christ walked the earth. However, the Bible teaches Jesus is more than a man. Jesus is eternal God, become his creation. He lives without beginning or end as the creator God in perfect communion with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. So before Jesus comes in humility, he previously 
eternally rules in glory. Philippians 2, 5 through 11 says he actually humbled himself. He set aside some of his rights as God and took upon himself certain limitations to identify with us in our humanity so he could restore us back into relationship with God. But I don't want you to miss this. When you think of Jesus, don't just think of his humanity. He is both God and man. And today, in this moment, as we're reading this passage, Jesus, in this moment, is rules and reigns in glory, surrounded by angels, and they're worshiping him. So when you think of Jesus, realize that he existed in eternity past in glory, that he exists in eternity future in glory, and during his ministry on this earth, to identify with us, he humbled himself to rescue us. Revelation 21, 23 speaks of eternity coming, and it says this, and the city has no sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb, speaking of Jesus. The centerpiece in eternity future will be Jesus in his glory, and his glory will radiate and illuminate all of creation. In this moment in Luke, the glory of Jesus, our eternal creator, God is made evident. It is made visible. The glory of God that is present in Jesus, the God-man, is seen. It breaks forth before Peter, James, and John. I want you to think about that. Can you picture that moment? Verse 30 continues. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared. Now, it doesn't say how they know it's Moses and Elijah. I don't know. Maybe they had name tags or something. But we are told these two men are Moses and Elijah. They appear with Jesus. These are prophets of old showing up with Jesus. They appeared in glorious splendor, talking with Jesus. And this is cool because it kind of gives us a glimpse of the other side of death. We have a new state of being. They are both in the state of glorious splendor. There's no pain. There's no sickness. There's no sin for those who have their faith in Jesus. But we have a new beginning. In verse 31, they spoke about his departure which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. Now, this is actually speaking of Jesus' pending death, his resurrection, that he would complete his mission and he would then return to heaven to be with the Father. Verse 32, Peter and his companions were very sleepy, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. As the men were leaving Jesus, Peter said to him, now, I love Peter, because he often gets it wrong and puts his foot in his mouth. So if you have a tendency to be blunt or to say the wrong thing at the wrong time, you're in good company because that's Peter. And here's what Peter says. He says, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what he was saying. Here's what Peter is saying. You know what, Jesus? You know what would be great? How about we get some tents, we set them up on the mountain, and we do some camping together? Let's camp out on this mountain in this moment forever. This would really make a great community group. I mean, I really like John, and I really like James, and having Moses and Elijah in our group, that's going to be pretty cool. Let's just stay here. Let's forget about everyone else down the mountain. You know, don't, don't worry about those other people because if we go down there, they're going to want to join us and who wants that? And here's what really Peter is saying behind all that. Let's make this about us. Let's hang out together. Let's stay in this moment forever. The problem is, 
and this is a common sin among those who even are followers of Jesus, we try to indefinitely sustain a mountaintop experience. See, people have a tendency to do this. You have an amazing experience with God. When you think about this, and rather than enjoying it and learning from it and growing from it and moving on to what God would have for you in the next, you keep trying to go back and relive it. So you attend a camp or a youth event and it was amazing, you had a great time with God or you had church done a certain way or music's done a certain way or a teaching or a program that really meant a lot to you and God used that in your life. And now I'm not minimizing those moments, but you keep trying to recreate it and relive it. If we could just you know, go back and keep it the way it used to be, the way it was. If I could just live in this mountaintop experience for the rest of my life, then I'm good. But that's not how God intends for us to live. We are to enjoy those times where God meets us. We are to grow in those times in God's presence. We are to be shaped and challenged in those encounters, but then we are to move forward, trusting that he wants to meet us in different ways. He wants to use us in different moments, speak to us in different encounters. See, God's intention is not to meet you once, then have you live off that mountaintop experience for the rest of your life, or to try to recreate it. See, God is a God of new things, of new experiences, of new growth. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 3.18 says this. He says that God wants to move us from glory to glory. That is, to be ever increasingly changed, to be more like Jesus, having experienced new realities of his glory every day. And if we're not careful, catch this, methodologies, the way we do things, the good old days become meth idolatries. Catch this. If we're not careful, we worship the method and the mountaintop experience instead of worshiping the one who meets us on the mountaintop. That is what Peter's doing here. He just wants to hang with Jesus on this mountaintop instead of moving into the next season Jesus has for him. Now, one of the things we like to do as a family is backyard campfires. And with that, of course, you guys know it, comes s'mores. So my kids grab some branches and they whittle them down and they make roasting sticks for their marshmallows. And when they're done, of course, as kids do, they like to poke in the fire and play in the fire. And in the midst of the darkness, the fire is radiant. It is illuminating. It's almost glorious, if you will. And they put the stick in and they wait until it catches fire and they pull it out and they start to spell their name in the air, in the night sky, with this red hot, radiant glow of the fire at the end. Now, for those who are followers of Jesus, see, ultimately, that is what we are to be in the world around us. We are God's image bearers. We are to radiate the glory of God. Apart from God, we are lost, but through faith in Jesus, we are made alive and placed into his presence so that the glory of God would radiate in us and through us. That people would see the love of God in us and they would see the goodness of God in our lives. See, lives. Jesus has not taken his disciples to this mountain just so they can have an experience. Jesus wanted to do something in them. So hear me, if you are a follower of Jesus, Jesus does not reveal himself to you so you can simply hang out with him. 
Jesus wants to do a work in your life so you can reveal more of him to the world around you. Let's continue in verse 34. While he, this is Peter speaking, he was speaking, a, a crowd appeared and covered them. And they were afraid as they entered the cloud. Now, clouds are often symbolic of God's glory in the Bible. The glory of God is surrounding them. And of course, they're afraid. I mean, I just saw three glowing guys and now I'm surrounded by a cloud. Of course, they're gonna be afraid. And a voice came from the cloud saying, this is my son. So God the Father is saying, Jesus is the same as me. He's equal to me. And what does God say? This is my son. Listen to him. Listen to who? Listen to Jesus. See, God the Father is saying, don't listen to those who would confuse you with false religions and ideology and half-truths. And don't listen to all your critics and don't listen to the world. Listen to Jesus. See, Jesus is the only voice that matters. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the only way to God. And in this moment, the Father is saying, Jesus is the one whom I've chosen. He's the one who I've chosen to reveal my glory to and through. In August of 2017, North America experienced a total solar eclipse. When the moon came directly between the earth and the sun, a total solar eclipse is a rare phenomenon and many were very excited to view it. However, there were safety precautions issued by NASA. Here's what NASA said. Looking directly at the sun is unsafe, except during a brief total phase of the solar eclipse called totality, when the moon entirely blocks the sun's bright surface. The only safe way to look directly at, the, at a partial eclipse sun is through special eclipse glasses. They said homemade filters or ordinary sunglasses, even if they're very dark ones, were not safe for looking at the sun. Folks, the glory of God is very much like this. No one is able to be in the full glory of God. In fact, in the Old Testament, there's this guy named Moses, and he asked God to see his glory. He's the guy that was with Jesus here. And God told him that no one could see his glory and, and be alive. So he hid Moses in a crack in the mountain and allows him to just see his back as he walks by. I want you to catch this. Jesus is like our eclipse glasses. He allows us to look at the splendor of God without being harmed. Jesus reveals God's glory. John 1.14 tells us, we have seen his glory the glory of the one and only Son, who came full, came from the Father, rather, full of grace and truth. And as we see here, Jesus is not just another man. Jesus is not just another good man. Jesus is not even just another prophet, as some religions teach. Moses and Elijah, actually, both of whom were prophets, were there. And Jesus is in a completely different category unto himself. He's not just a mere teacher. He is the glory of God. Paul says in Colossians 1.15 that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. The creator God is made known, is seen. His glory is revealed in the person and the work and the teaching of Jesus. He is the highest. He's above all nations. He's above all angels. He's above all demons. He's above Satan. He's above all languages and cultures and political parties and leaders and thinkers and movement leaders. Whoever you admire, Whoever you value, whoever you aspire to be like, Jesus is the highest. 
His name is Jesus, and he alone is worthy of our worship. And in this moment, the Father is declaring the truth of who Jesus is. It doesn't matter what anyone else says about Jesus. What does God the Father say in this moment? This is my son whom I have chosen. Listen to him. And now some of you listening would say, I wish I would have been there. I wish God would do that for me. I wish I had that kind of certainty and clarity. But here's the truth. See, God isn't interested in simply convincing you that he exists. He wants to bring you into a loving, saving relationship with him through Jesus. James, Jesus' little brother, wrote this in the book of James, chapter 2, verse 19. He said that even the demons believe there's a God. See, they have been in the presence of God. They have seen his glory, yet they do not serve him. They do not love him. They do not honor him. They do not worship him. So I want you to catch this. God doesn't simply want to convince you. He wants you to place your faith in him for salvation. He wants you to believe that he is the means of your eternal life. Not just that he is God, but that he is your God. And so he has sent Jesus, who has shown us God's glory, who has exemplified God's love, who has proven God's power and offers to us eternal life with him in the fullness of his presence. The question you need to answer is, are you going to place your faith and believe in Jesus to save you from sin? My hope and my prayer is you would say yes to Jesus and experience his presence like never before. And for those who would say you are a follower of Jesus, let me remind you, God not only wants you to experience his glory, he wants you to reflect it to those around you. So don't spend your time camped out in the past experiences, the past prayer times, your past youth camps. Allow those moments to catapult you into the next season God has for you. Don't turn methodologies into meth idolatries. Jesus is always wanting to move you forward to a closer relationship with him and a greater partnership in sharing his message with those around you. Why don't you join with me wherever you are as we pray. God, I thank you that you are not far off, that you have come to us, that you have sought us, that you find us, that you save us. And I pray for my friends who are just kind of getting to know you. Maybe they're curious about you. Maybe in this moment they're making a choice to place their faith in you. Holy Spirit, I pray you would illuminate our understanding of who you are so that God would receive the glory and that you would reveal yourself to us, that you would transform us in our lives, make yourself more visible, that we would radiate you to the world around us, that you would give us strength and love and peace, that we would be generous and compassionate. May we live our lives to bring you glory and worship. Amen. God bless you, my friends. If you have any questions, please feel free to reach out. We would love to connect with you. Take care.